Dayu had observed that in the romances which Baoyu smuggled into her, and of which she was nowadays an avid consumer, it was always some trinket or small object of clothing or jewellery. A pair of lovebirds, a male and female phoenix, a jade ring or gold buckle, a silken handkerchief, an embroidered belt or whatnot, that brought the heroes and heroines together. And since the fate and future happiness of those fortunate beings seemed to depend wholly on the instrumentality of such trifling objects, it was natural for her to suppose that Baoyu's acquisition of the gold chilin would become the occasion of dramatic rupture with her and the beginning of an association with Xiangyun, in which he and Xiangyun would do together all those delightful things that she had read about in the romances. So it's at this moment that we that the big reveal, namely that uh, they've just found uh, Jin Chan's body, uh, Golden's body, yeah. at the bottom of a well. Yeah. So she's drowned herself. So she she said to have thrown herself into the well and died. Tojing uh, Which, I mean, is that as ways to die must be pretty terrible. Um, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I mean. For her sake, maybe she, her neck snapped, you know, if she died then, um, rather than, I guess, just slowly drowning. drowning. Uh, and, and this, this harkens back to something. A comment that was made, in chapter, right? Yeah, in chapter 30. So just at the, so the, the reason that she's drowned herself is because she's been dismissed from service. We know that she was a, a maid of Lady Wang's for 10 or more years. Uh, so she was very, very close to the family, and so her sudden dismissal will have been as unexpected as it is, you know, um, I think ter <clears throat> terribly painful emotionally, as well as kind of ruinous professionally, I suppose. I guess being dismissed from service after that length of time, there's bound to be a lot of negative stigma attached to that. Um, mm. But yeah. The the cause the the immediate cause of her dismissal is that she was having this conversation with Baoyu, where he was being kind of sexually suggestive to her, in front of his mother, um, although he believed that his mum was asleep at the time, right? Um, and um, he he's saying you know, maybe I should wake her up and ask if you and I can be together, um, ask her if she'll let me have you I suppose as a as a lover, um, and she uses this phrase. You know, there's no rush, basically. What's yours is yours. She says, even if a golden hairpin falls in the well, um, what's yours is still yours. The idea being that, you know, if you drop something in, in a well, it doesn't disappear. Even if you can't reach it at the time, it's it's still there, and eventually you can fish it out. But obviously this is a kind of 
terrible foreshadowing of what in fact does happen to her. She, Jin Tran, which means like kind of like a golden bracelet. So here very clearly associated with that Jin Jin Zan, the, the hairpin. The golden hairpin falling in the well is is yeah, like an unconscious foreshadowing of her own death two chapters later. Right. Um and it seems as if, you know, she was making her comment seems almost like a, a kind of like a set expression almost, even though it's not, you know, four characters, but the it, it seems to be like it was clear what her meaning was at the same time that her actual actions uh, show you that you can't actually throw someone in a well. That's not how it works. You know, um, there, there, there is this kind of uh, like dramatic irony uh, and maybe also critique uh, going on here. Um, you know, maybe like, you know, like the, the, the limits of like, this is the limits of uh objectification and uh, commodification that like actually on a certain level you know like people aren't objects and uh, like forcing this mold is you know coterminous with their destruction kind of thing um, at the same time you know it's it's a really striking image um, yeah, I would say this is a cross-cultural phenomenon where the well is a source of life, but also a source of danger. Uh, there's lots of stories where babies fall in wells in, in China and also in other uh, traditional societies. I, I was even kind of thinking a little bit, this is verging in the direction of like hot take, but I was thinking about how, you know, like, the, well, the, for one thing, you have the the tradition of the the Chinese well, the the the, the Jing, and it's actually its connection with you know uh, how a community divides itself. You know, you have the old traditional the the uh, the Jing Tians, the well field system. Sometimes it's translated as where it, it was just like kind of partial historical, partly imaginary conception of how to divide up land. At, at the same time, that like you know like you can imagine the well as uh, the, the place where it comes together, you know, but at the same time here, it's like, it's almost like the, something like a collective unconscious or like a, uh, a collective guilt. I don't know. Just the idea of like, kind of like uh, succumbing to this like dark center at, at the, at the very center of town. I, I think it's, it's rather uh, kind of a, uncanny image yeah i think it it symbolically does possess this lingering feeling of like uh threat or menace doesn't it the the, the right somehow. i mean you could imagine you know is she gonna become a ghost or something you know, like if you you like that would be like how a ghost story would start you know and suddenly you start hearing like voices from the bottom of the well which is maybe just the wind but it's also your like you know your feeling of guilt over how this um you know how this subordinate member of your family basically uh was treated um so so speaking of feelings of guilt okay yeah um <clears throat> on hearing the news um Bao Chai, her her um her response is just how strange you know so in chinese okay um aroma meanwhile thinks of how close they were and you know begins to cry 
Um, yeah, this, uh, this is what we were alluding to earlier. Um, like, it really yeah. does, at least on first reading, I, I was kind of uh, taken aback a little bit. Like, is this really a proper response? Hmm. Like, Gia Chila. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like, like oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Well, and then what? Yeah, it's like, but, yeah, exactly. Bao Chai Hor is off to Lady Wang's chambers. So Lady Wang, obviously, having been mistress to Golden, um, and it was her who dismissed her. Um, and so she goes off to, to see her, to offer her, I guess, condolences and sympathy. Mm -hmm. When she gets there, they initially, you know, Lady Wang says, oh, where have you come from? And she says, oh, I was in the garden. And she says, oh, did you see Bao Yu there? She says, yes, but he was hurrying off. So I didn't. He was hurrying off somewhere, so I, did, I didn't get to speak to him. And then Lady Wang kind of grasps the nettle and she says, I don't know if you've heard, but Golden has drowned herself in the well. Or rather, no, she does say, yeah, sorry, sorry. She says, Golden uh, Golden mm -hmm. has drowned herself in the well. And again, Bao Chai's response yeah. is, how strange. That's weird. <laughs> exactly um, the same. And I guess kind of feigns... <clears throat> ignorance you know why why would she do that and lady wang's response is quite revealing here i think um, yes it is because yeah she doesn't she doesn't tell the truth right no not really no uh she says like uh yesterday or the, the day before yesterday she had um she had broken things and then lady wang says uh she had sent her away um that kind of thing and you know of course i'd only meant to uh, send her away for a couple of days as punishment and then bring her back. Uh, right. Yeah. A very ambiguous comment, right? Is that true or not? Yeah, I never thought I, don't know. I never thought that she'd be so so kind of quick to take offense, so angry that she would go so far as to drown herself. So naturally, I feel like it's all my fault. Um, um, uh -huh. Which, I don't know, struck me as like really like a kind of disgusting form of self-justification there. Um I mean, I was like, of course it's your fault. Like, would this have happened had you not sent her away? Right. The answer to me is clearly, clearly not. Right. Um, she um, comes across kind of, I mean, came across poorly before, um, but now the the gravity of the of this these events is is finally revealing itself. Um, she she's clearly she feels guilty, which is which is something, I guess, right? um what what do you think of i was gonna say what do you think of her 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 uh explanation of the situation um do you think that she would she had actually intended to take her back after a few days or or is this just again a kind of retrospective right. self-justification it's hard to say um the fact that she lies about uh the, the actual cause of the disagreement yeah makes me think that uh not right um i mean it's interesting because had she simply broken a few things this wouldn't have happened it's only because of um the, the strength hmm. of uh uh of lady wong's you know feelings toward her son that yeah. uh, her response was so uh extreme yeah because of her own like right um, and so the fact that even, you know, even in this moment, she still can't like name 
the event itself makes me think that she like she still has a sort of psychological block and she probably would not have let her back there's yeah i think so i think so if she if she would only have sent her away in the first place because of some like very great as she saw it kind of like moral failing um Mm -hmm. then yeah absolutely she wouldn't so easily take her back um Mm-hmm. If it was important enough to send her away, it would not be important. It would be important enough not not to have her back. Um, this this lie about breaking something of hers, I suppose. Yeah, it's as you say, it's like a convenient, it's a convenient kind of lie. Um, one thing that's interesting to me about this, though, is like there's a strong sense of unreliable narrator about the whole scene. You know, so when we see it, it's almost from Bayou's perspective, you know, he wanders in there in the middle of the day. He has nothing more than a few kind of licentious, like, and very kind of mildly sort of lustful comments with her or like lewd, sexually suggestive comments with her. And that's enough for his mother to, you know, slap her and dismiss her on the spot. Um, Here, she's, you know, from her own perspective, she's saying, um, um it was just over her breaking a few things um and then as we'll see in the next chapter there is a third much more disturbing narrative which is certainly presented as um a kind of rumor or 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 like exaggeration but it does give the whole um it does give the whole scene i guess in my mind like a i almost don't really know who to believe Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that it's the way that it's told originally in, in chapter 30 is, is the oh. truth? You know, I, I'm ten, I tend to think I, the narration is traditional enough, um, interpret that as one will, you know, that I, I don't think we have a kind of, this isn't an exercise in like, you know, the un the unknowability of the event, you know, I, I think yeah. in general, um, the narrative favors Baoyu's perspective and the innovation in this moment mm. is in being very critical of the main character. So it's, you still have the hero uh, and it's not exactly an anti-hero, but it's like a, um, a deflated hero, maybe, um, which makes sense if it is someone's, you know, um, depressed recollections of their life you know abstracted in this form um i I think the the way it was presented was mostly faithful um okay even if sometimes i i think it is a little undefined around the edges right and and so this uh this whole incident with golden is a good example of an event that you know kind of happens at the edges we didn't know very much about golden she's she's going to be mentioned later but it's not going to be um an extended anything very extended you know she's going to be kind of a mystery in the same way that chinka ching was a mystery maybe even more so because she's more she's even more um tangential yeah um just briefly known and then but but that 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 actually gives it some like it gives the story some like mist misty distance yeah. there is an interesting parallel to be made between golden and uh chin ka ching uh, just a little bit later on um um in terms of response to their death 
Um, but first, let's talk about Bao Chai's response to Lady Wang's feelings of guilt. Right, right. The, the, some of the most inscrutable comments of this chapter. <laughs> she says basically, you know, <clears throat> you are a good person, you, you know, and you're a kind person. So, of course, you would feel guilty about this, about your about your servant dying. But, you know, in my view, I don't think she would have drowned herself. Uh, you know, maybe she fell in. She could have been <laughs> playing near the well. She could have been playing near the well and lost her footing and falling in. After all, she's been your servant for 10 years. And finally, she's free, quote unquote. And she was, so she was probably enjoying this abundant free time that she now has now that she's unemployed. Um, <laughs> and in my mind, it's impossible that she could have done it out of anger. <clears throat> you know, what could make her angry enough to do that? Really? Uh -huh. And if she did, if she did drown herself out of anger, well, then she's a very foolish person and you shouldn't feel sorry for her. Um, and um, and these, I mentioned at the start of the story how I, this definitely sat very badly with me. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been... I guess you can see why, right? Um, yeah, this is the, the comment where it's like, wait, did she just say that? Like, wait, why, why did she? And then I started thinking, well, I mean, some of these comments are, you know, this is maybe this is a critique, like the Confucian uh, kind of like, it, it almost seems as if proper, you know, filial respect almost obliged her in the situation to to say these um, kind of uh, questionable things, uh, which really read to me like the worst kinds of like yeah. apologia for power. I mean, I can imagine like, you know, if yeah. if uh, like Fox News were uh, reporting this event from like a uh, like a labor perspective yeah. or something, you know, <laughs> you yeah. can imagine. Find, yeah, find any kind of grounds on which to excuse you from um responsibility right. or, or guilt. and it's like really like um, kind of really imaginative but in the worst the worst kinds of imagination is when like just trying trying to find excuses for like uh to to justify abhorrent events fine <laughs> yeah find yeah. any way to spin it um i i do agree i think there's an obligation on her first there's an obligation on her first to pay a visit to lady wang uh -huh. instead of the family of golden um, which to me was strange in the first place. You know, you think the one that really needs to be consoled is the girl's that, family, not that's her, a good point. Yeah, not her former mistress. Um, but I can see that the the system that she inhabits would require her to do that. Um, and then, yeah, having 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 arrived, yeah, the system would certainly require her to, um, or would expect her certainly to do everything that she could, say everything that she could to make her feel better. Um, even if they're the most grotesque lies. Yeah. Um, and so then I guess we're coming toward the end of the chapter. There's just a few extra comments about, again, this whole chapter has been like, you know, what's, what's more important, uh, physical material things or like spiritual and emotional connection, right? Do you like, is love enough or, or do you need to have this, like these, um, physical talisman you have to have a physical jade and a, a golden locket you got to like uh combine their powers uh or is is the the, the sentiment enough 
Uh, and how do you like, how do you measure what's the value of a person? At what point is an object so, va so valuable that's more valuable than a person? And, you know, when someone passes away, what kind of like, uh, like value is, is dedicated toward remembering them? So now the final question is that last one where it is like, you know, how much, how much money should we give uh, uh, Golden's family? for the funeral and for their loss. You know, what's the, the extent of, you know, the expression that Lady Wong uses is uh, uh, so like master and servant Ching. Yeah. So again, the Ching that we've, we've discussed before in the context of, you know, is it feeling and is it homophonous with Ching green? Uh, so here it's like the, the, the feeling between uh, basically master and servant. Yeah. Uh, and so like ordinarily she says, you know, two, uh, you know, uh, two inza, two, uh, tails of silver, mm -hmm. um, would suffice that would complete the, uh, you know, the kind of the, um, the bonds, the, the, uh, bonds of obligation, master and servant, but that was exactly, it would satisfy propriety uh -huh. to just give a couple. Yeah. But in this case, because you know, uh, Golden had been with her for so long, you know, and basically at her side day in and day, day in and day out. Uh, well, no, two tails is insufficient. You, she's going to give the family, I think, 50 tails, uh, which to put that into context, uh, what we, we mentioned earlier in this chat, in this episode, uh, 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 Gr Granny Leo from chapter six, she got she got a hundred tails. Is that am I am I remembering correctly? Uh, no, I think she only got twenty. Oh, okay, okay. So... I think she only got twenty, but but that was a lot of money for her as a poor peasant to see them through the year. Okay. Um, but what I do remember is that, or maybe, you know, when Jare got caught, um, uh, kind of sneaking, trying to trying to kind of creep on, um, Wang Shifeng, and two of the other men of the household. I think it was Jaro and Jia Chang. Um, agreed to help him escape, but each of them would receive 50 tails as an IOU. Okay. Um, okay. Um, we also had, do you remember how much did Chinka Ching's uh, coffin cost? Was that 100 tails? Um, so I think the, <sighs> the planks were actually given, the planks were priceless. They okay. were gifted <laughs> by Shuapan. But Shuapan said that they wouldn't have been able to afford them for a thousand tails of silver. Okay, a thousand. Okay. I've, yeah, I've so to... a thousand would have been... This has been our, been... like, yeah, yeah, price review session. Um, <laughs> um, I remember that after Qin Keqing's death, uh, Jia Zhen buys Jia Rong, his son, a title, an official title, so that he, um, so that when it's written out on, like, the almost like the, the banners at the funeral, he'll seem sufficiently important. Okay. And I think the cost of that title is either 1,000 or 1,500 tales. Okay. So the economic historians listening are just, they're like throwing up their hands. Finally, <laughs> finally, they're covering <laughs> the, the things that we came here for. Well, one of the things that um, uh, struck me is, so she's given her, rather than just a few tales of silver, she's giving 50 She's giving 50, but she's also making a present of some jewelry. And she's also procuring the services of Buddhist monks to recite a, a kind of sutra for the salvation of her soul. Um, in addition to one other gift, which I think we're going to talk about in a second. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, 
the things that she's providing for Golden's funeral are quite out of proportion with what propriety would demand a master to provide for their servant um, upon their death. Uh, and so we can see that in her case, there's a clear like tendency to overspend to try to compensate for the the guilt that she feels over Golden's death. Um, and this is where I thought the parallel was particularly clear with uh, Qin Ka Qing's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we said, they um, her death, though apparently from natural causes, mm-hmm. seems to it's suggested was kind of linked to um, an affair between her and her father-in-law, Jia Zhen. Um, well, I suppose it's sometimes described as an affair, but we don't really know exactly the, the details. Um, but yeah, certainly the circumstances of her death are, are thought to be um, kind of mysterious. And the guilt that he feels is very clear from the fact that he's he kind of really yes, goes yeah. far above and beyond what's expected or indeed proper in giving her a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, so here at the end of the chapter, the final kind of twist is that, uh, and it, it kind of ties the chapter together in a nice way. This chapter is interesting. It kind of, it's, it seems like it kind of aesthetically balanced maybe. Right. And so before we had Aroma asking, uh, Bao Chai for her help in, uh, in embroidery, uh, and here again, we, uh, there's the issue of, uh, what dress um to gift mm. uh golden's family uh, for her to be buried in um and, and there's a question well there's not too many there aren't too many options around the house uh and there might also be some kind of superstitious elements like around yeah having a yeah, dead person absolutely. buried in your dress you know um and so like She's kind of uh, testing the waters to see whether Pao yeah. Chai has anything yeah. to donate uh, to the cause, and she she turns out she does. It's something that, that she herself had uh, had had uh, embroidered for herself recently, um, and, and of course, in in her you know capacity as the uh, the most filial, she's gonna right away yeah. offer that um, f- for these purposes for uh, Golden to be buried in. Uh, and and apparently she's not superstitious enough to to worry too much about this. Yeah, and uh, and once again, her her filial her filiality, I suppose, is contrasted positively with uh, Dayu. So Dayu's birthday is coming up, and um, and Lady Wang mentions that they've had two sets of clothes made for her, which they could donate, but you know they would be worried that the excuse is that she already has so much sickness and misfortune in her life that it would be bad to do it but again you feel that this is probably also partly it would upset her you can just imagine like Dayu immediately going and writing like maybe a few poems about like about you know the dead girl's dress you know she'd have a lot of like just like really goth material for like weeks about how like uh yeah or chopping something up with scissors yeah yeah uh so um and this is actually this is also the reason why they didn't have her uh do the embroidery uh earlier in the chapter was that her you know her her frail health um because of it uh grandmother jia had more or less um prohibited her 
prohibited Dayus uh, doing any of that kind of labor, which, you know, hey, these shirking labors in order to write poetry, I, I think we can very much support that endeavor. And that, again, establishes Dayu as the true heroine of the story. <laughs> uh, that's, my, <laughs> that's my mini thesis. Um, so my most so, controversial yeah, just, take. Just to, just to close it out, but uh, Balchai goes off to fetch them, and she brings them back. And when she returns, she sees that Lady Wang is rebuking Baoyu. Um, so, so we just to, to keep track of the events. He has been summoned to go and meet with uh, Yu Tsun. On the way, he has this very intense conversation with Dayu where he believes he's confessed his feelings to her, but actually he's confessed them to Aroma. And in that dazed state, he then is summoned to meet his mother, who gives him a dressing down for the fact that his, um, I guess, sexually suggestive comments to Golden were the cause of her, first her dismissal and then her suicide. Um, so, yeah, we get the impression that what she's saying to him here is, this is all your fault. Um, which, true or not, is rather a, a, a lot of weight, I guess, to put on the shoulders of mm -hmm. um, uh, a teenage boy, or indeed any person. No. Yeah, we got some bad parenting in this chapter. Yeah. And in the next chapter, too. <laughs> Do you want to wrap it up there? Yeah, I think um, that's kind of the, the whole of it. Uh, and I, I think I, I've said my, my part. Do you have any final remarks? Uh no, nothing more to add on this one, but just that, yeah, this this chapter fulfills part of... It, 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 this chapter is one part of a kind of moving tableau of events um, uh, over the series of a couple of chapters, and we kind of have to just keep track of all of the threads because they finally do begin to be pulled together, I guess, um, in the next one. Okay, so uh, for next time... We're going to be working on chapter 33. An envious younger brother puts in a malicious word or two. An escape grace elder brother. I'm not sure what escape grace is. We're, we're going to find out what escape grace escape is. Escape grace, I looked up. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out next time what escape grace means. And a, uh, next time. Yeah, that, yeah. That'll be the, the cliffhanger. Uh, an escape grace elder brother receives a terrible chastisement. Uh, so that'll be the next uh, installation of rereading the stone. Uh, as always, get in touch with us. Uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Podcast podcast app. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are on yeah. Twitter as well. Uh, Rereading Stone. That's our handle, and also on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash Rereading Stone. Uh, so until next time, uh, keep rereading, uh, and we will uh, chat again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.